from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I'm a surgical pathologist, and I'm here today with a special guest, Dr. Andrea Lewis. She's from UMMC. She is an otolaryngologist, so that's an ENT surgeon, but specializes, among other things, in sleep medicine. This is Sleep Awareness Week. So call in with your questions and comments about sleep, sleep issues. Do you have advice on how to sleep better? Dr. Lewis will be here to give you this medical advice uh, that, that, that she specializes in. Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And we're back on Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today. Dr. Michelle Owens is out today. She's out of town for her work because she's a busy, busy bee. But I do have a special guest with me today, Dr. Andrea Lewis. She's on faculty at UMMC. She is an otolaryngologist. I know that's Karen Brown's favorite word. We always have fun uh, that's right. saying yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, also known as an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And one of the things, she practices general ear, nose, and throat uh, medicine. But another thing that she does is she does quite a bit of sleep medicine. That's um, surgery for sleep issues. And then she sees folks that have other sleep disorders. So since this is Sleep Awareness Month, she has agreed to be here with us today to talk about uh, sleep disorders or uh, tips for better sleep. When do people need surgery for sleep and things like that. So take advantage. She's here in the studio. She's going to take your questions and comments at eight one eight seven seven MPB ring. I don't even say one anymore because yeah. so many of us has cell phones. You know, it's sort of weird to say <laughs> one. Right. So it's eight seven seven MPB ring or one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at women at mpbonline.org. I know there's probably nobody out there that has problems leaving. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah, that's right. I'm sure. It seems like one of the biggest factors in, in most people's well-being. Yeah, I mean, it's such a common thing to have d- disorders with sleep. And, we, you know, is. of course, our show is not just for women, but it is very common in women. I was doing some reading before the show and right. looking at all the different things, hormones and medications and stress and anxiety. I thought, OK, well, does anybody sleep? I'm not That's so right. sure about that. Right. And devices, you know, we're so bombarded with all these stimulations and things like that. Um, well, we are just in our first block of the show. We were chit-chatting, but we have a call already on the line. We have David, who's calling from Horn Lake. What hey, a magnificent-sounding place, the Horn Lake. <laughs> hey, David, how are you doing? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I got a question that I don't know anything about, and it's part of it is generational whatnot. I've got a neighbor that's pregnant, and she is smoking marijuana. And I mentioned something to her, and she got up in my face and copped an attitude, which I probably shouldn't have said anything, and none of my business. But she said there's medical marijuana, and there's CBD oil, and there's nothing wrong with it. So my question to you is, is part of this, is it hype and jive and smoke and mirrors or whatnot, 
because they're they're saying that CBD oil, which is I, I think is a, a derived from hemp, and uh, they're t- they're giving out free samples. They're claiming to cure everything from uh, uh, you name it. And then I saw where CVS is starting to sell it in eight of their stores, uh, and they're talking about um, um, put it in food and um, uh, and they're saying, well, you know, with medical marijuana. And smoking marijuana is safe. So it's smoking marijuana and taking these CBD oil products and whatnot. Is it safe during pregnancy? So I don't know a whole lot about the <laughs> oils, um, but um, THC, which is the active ingredient in marijuana, does cross the barrier, the placenta, into the fetus. So any marijuana that's taken in by a pregnant woman will reach the fetus. Um, and can cause greater risks of complications. That being said, there aren't a lot of studies of marijuana and effects in pregnant women because it just in general, there aren't a lot of medical studies on pregnant women because it's very difficult to do any sort of study Mm -hmm. in in pregnant women. Now, smoking tobacco or anything does put um, the the baby at risk for having a low birth weight for one thing. So excessive exposure to any sort of toxic, you know, burning type smoke. And, you know, when, when you burn things, you know, they tend to give off things that are potentially carcinogenic. So, you know, you probably as a pregnant woman would want to stay away from any type of smoke, cigarette smoke, marijuana smoke, et cetera, even vaping, you, you know, it's just the best thing to do is to avoid all things like that. And it is a fact that that THC does cross the placenta and does um, affect the fetus. Now, there are women who use marijuana for things like chronic pain, you know, they're, they're miserable. And I, I, I don't want to tell right, anybody yeah. not to live their best life where they are in chronic pain or something like that if marijuana is helping them. And that's really up to them to discuss with their treating physician. I, the advice I would give is, if a pregnant woman is using marijuana for medical reasons, that she be under close observation of her general physician and her obstetrician. So I would not advise women to go out there and smoke illicit marijuana on the street when they're pregnant. But if yeah. a woman is under close care of their physician and they know what everything is going on, then um, I would have to defer to their physician in, in understanding how to take care of them. Dr. Lewis, do you have anything to add? Dr. Yeah. Lewis has four kids, so yeah. she's, she's a physician and an expert in having kids. Well, <laughs> well, uh, let, me, let me interrupt you. She got up in my face and told me that was the best thing for her morning sickness. Oh, okay. So, oh. Um, um, and also, I bet it is good for morning sickness. Yeah, it actually, it probably does yeah, help <laughs> well, that. I mean, yeah. uh, would that be also maybe a potential of uh, child abuse? No. Well, I don't, I don't. I mean, I mean, if she's using medical marijuana, you know, well, I don't. No, no, no. We're in Mississippi. Oh. Mississippi does not have medical marijuana. <laughs> Well, there are some products like Marinol. I mean, there are some um, products that are out there that are available by prescription for patients that are derivatives. (laughs) Well, I would definitely not encourage anyone to use illicit marijuana. Right. Yeah, I certainly was not encouraged to use it for any of for morning sickness in any of my pregnancies. But uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm with Dr. Brown. I can't imagine that it's been, you know, recommended or been been considered okay to use any illicit substance during pregnancy. So I wouldn't get up in her face because I don't want you getting called the police on you. But I would just say uh, you no, have expressed no, no, you have expressed I, your concern and your opinions to her. And, you know, at this point, she's an adult. And uh, um, unfortunately, she does have that uh, unborn child. And uh, but we just 
I, I guess speaking to her husband or significant other, but I, I don't know if I would call JPS on her now or something, but right. <laughs> protective child services or whatever. But um, I, I don't know of any um, safe indication for using marijuana in pregnancy, David. All right, thank you. You bet. Yeah, thank you. Well, that wasn't about sleep, but it was... It was interesting, certainly. So, yeah. Well, interesting to say the least. We love our call-in show. We love our That's people right. of Mississippi. Yeah. And I don't want to hear the news in, of in Horn Lake that David's, you know, yeah. got arrested for busting up in this lady's house to yeah. tell her to quit smoking <laughs> <to> marijuana. <laughs> but maybe but. he's helped, helped an unborn child. So. That's right. But he, yeah, he definitely has good intentions. So That's I appreciate your sure. call, David. So uh, as we were yeah. saying... You do have a lot of kids. Right, And right. people with kids don't sleep well. Don't sleep that's well, that's right. That's something we can yeah. bond over, right? Yeah, women, yeah, certainly women with children don't don't sleep much. I always say that it's kind of a, a kind of a forever thing. You think it's just when they're babies, but then they have, you know, times when they have, we talked about uh, behavioral insomnia of childhood where they don't want to sleep in their own beds or want to have to have... I've got that right now for... That's right. My older child actually has this. (laughs) That's right. And then they have times of their different ages where they have nightmares Mm -hmm. um, and that makes it hard for them to want to sleep in their beds. And then as they get older, electronic devices and school activities. So most of our kids are sleep deprived. Yeah. And keeping us up as well with those activities. Uh, And then... And then we're not there yet, but I'm assuming that they're going out at night at some point and you're waiting up on them. So (laughs) it's a lifelong sleep deprivation. When you have kids, you're pretty much signing up for the fact that you're going to have sleep issues, right? right? forever. And I'm assuming at some point there's grandkids that you have to, or that they hope you'll help with sometime. So lifelong Mm -hmm. sleep deprivation for sure. No doubt. Well, we're going to get into all uh, different causes of, right. of of sleep deprivation and issues, either falling asleep or staying asleep. Our phone number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email us at women at mpbonline dot org if you're having sleep issues. Have you been diagnosed in the past with sleep issues? Um, so, what are some general pearls that we want to think about? Like, how do you know that you ha- like? How do you know? that it's actually an issue or you just kind of don't sleep well? Well, you know, I think when it starts affecting your daily life is when, I'm sorry, when it starts affecting your daily life is when we really consider it an issue. So, and most people, I hear this a lot, that you have some awakenings at night and it's not uncommon to actually wake up at night. That's not typically abnormal. It's when you can't fall back asleep. Um, Same with falling asleep at night. Some people say it takes them a long time. Typically, at least over 30 minutes, you know, is considered abnormal. Not everybody falls right to sleep when their head hits the pillow. That's great when you do, but actually means you probably aren't getting enough sleep when that, you know, happens. It typically should take a few minutes anyway to to go to sleep at night. But when it's happened several times a week um, and it's affecting how you function during the daytime, you should seek seek help. If you're waking up multiple times at night... Um, early morning awakenings. And again, like I say, you know, sometimes to wake up and realize you're awake at night and fall back asleep may not be abnormal, but if it's happening nightly and affecting your daytime, you can't fall back asleep or it's multiple times a night, you should seek help. Is it normal to feel like you want to take a nap during the day? I mean, I always feel like they've got it, you know, where people have their siesta and stuff, that that's the right idea. Like, are naps bad? Right. I always think uh, naps are good, but... I love a nap. Yeah. I can't ever take one, but I Right, right, exactly. Um, But really, they do. You should be on more of a nighttime schedule. You know, kids are... Very young kids are designed to have their their sleep split up into those different phases. Really, if you're getting enough sleep, 
Now, you may still fall asleep if you lay down to take a nap. You certainly shouldn't be taking unplanned naps during the day. You shouldn't be that tired. Like where you're falling asleep uncontrollably right. at, at work and Why, things like that. Or even People trying do, to sit down and watch a movie. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing about naps, they certainly can affect your ability to go to sleep at night for, you know, for a lot of people, but, um, they definitely are nice and, and timed naps can be important. Like a 30 minute nap for a refresher that that can certainly be helpful, you know, during the day for a lot of people that are trying to function or, or may realize that they're sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Power um, nap. Yeah. Power nap. Well, we have a caller on the line. Sarah is calling from Fulton, Mississippi. Hey, Sarah. Good morning. Hey, um, I've got a question about specifically my husband. He, a few months ago, took an at-home sleep study and was diagnosed with having apnea. So he got the CPAP machine and tried using it for a month or so and then went back for his checkup. And he'd only been using it maybe two or three hours a night, was completely unable to fall asleep using it. Um, Uh So his doctor had prescribed him a prescription for, um, oh, I just lost my lost my mind now what's the ambient um, yes and uh-huh. so he can take that and falls asleep you know very easily and he wears the machine all night and i've noticed a drastic positive change in just daily and his sleep and then my sleep as well yeah um, of course. he's sleeping and, uh-huh. and not waking me up all night um, but still, so he's had the ambient and used it uses it most nights for the for the past month or so still whenever he doesn't take the medication um he still is unable to fall asleep with using using his machine do you have any kind of um guidance or suggestions on maybe how we can kind of beat this without having to use medication all the time yeah that's a great question because ambient is one of those uh drugs that are better used kind of as needed than nightly you also find that tolerance develops so eventually it may stop helping him go to sleep. Has he tried just kind of weaning down the ambient and slowly changing it instead of completely? Well, he doesn't take, um, he doesn't take the full prescription. He, he, he breaks the tablet in half. Um, Is it a 10 milligram or a 5 milligram? I believe it's a 10. Okay. So, that, I mean, that could be something he could even, you know, quarter it and try to kind of slowly but he may also try just wearing the CPAP at night just a little while while he's watching television television just to help him kind of adjust to having it it on does he have trouble falling asleep when he um doesn't have the CPAP on no no trouble at all um he just has trouble staying asleep he or he doesn't feel like he does but I can tell you know he tosses and turns and when he's waking up constantly uh-huh. And yeah. then it wakes me up. So now I'm noticing that whenever I'm telling him or before bed, I'll say, don't forget, take your pill so I can sleep too. Yeah. And it's kind of been a, a joke, but um, I was, when I saw the, or heard what you guys were talking about today, I thought, hey, this is a, something that I can relate to for sure. Yeah, no, those are great questions. And you're right about you getting more sleep. Typically the bed partner gets at least an hour more of sleep if the um, other person gets there. Um sleep apnea or snoring treated but I would certainly have him even just kind of slowly gradually cut it down just a little bit and then I also would have him just try to wear it you know when y'all you don't watch television in bed before sleep just while relaxing and Mm -hmm. just kind of help him get used to it I feel like he must you know be having a little bit of anxiety and discomfort associated with wearing it 
Um, yeah. So I would certainly try that. You could even try a different mask that might be more comfortable for him. Yeah. Has he tried a different mask or he's just used the same one? Um, we've just used this. He just used the same one. It's the nose pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, very small, just, just under the nose. Yeah. So we'll continue um, working with that and uh, maybe try and quarter in those tablets. If I'm correct of that dosage, I'll, we'll look and, yeah. and check on it. And he's got another month or so before his next checkup. So I was just curious as to um, any suggestions that y'all might have. That would be so the main you. one. Yeah, I hope that was helpful. I hope that that helps. Yes, it's good to talk with someone about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. And and we're about to go to break, but when we come back, let's also talk about when is surgery indicated for sleep apnea? You hear about people having surgery. Um, When do you go from CPAP to surgery, or are those even in the same uh, bucket as far as treatment options? And there's some exciting new options, too, to talk about. Okay, so Sarah, stay on the the radio and and have a listen. Thank you guys for listening. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. Welcome back to MPB uh, Think Radio. We're here with Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing women's health care concerns. And I am Dr. Allie Brown. I'm a surgical pathologist, and I'm here today with our friend, otolaryngologist, Dr. Andrea Lewis. She's at UMMC. And one of the things that she specializes in is sleep medicine. So we're talking all about sleep, how to treat um, sleep apnea, among other things, uh, any sleep disturbances you might be having, when to see a specialist about any sleep issues. We want to talk about surgical options for sleep because um, Dr. Lewis is a sleep surgeon, but we do have a caller on the line. Um, call in with any questions or concerns you might have at one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Right now we're talking to Mary in Brandon. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I uh, had a sleep study, and they actually had to wake me up and put me up to CPAP because I was having so many periods of apnea for such a long time. And so I, I did the CPAP for about two years and never felt any better during the daytime. Yeah. Uh, everyone has talked about, oh, you'll have so much mm-hmm. energy, you'll feel rested. <clears throat> I never felt that, so I just quit using it. And uh, a couple of years went by, and I mentioned it to my internal medicine doctor. So he had me go to another um, uh, doctor, and when I described what was going on, she just looked at me and said, well, you're CPAP incompetent, which hmm. no one likes to be told they're incompetent. <laughs> right. <laughs> better choice of words might be better. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. uh-huh. she, so she prescribed for me BiPAP. And uh-huh. That's what I've been on 
for about three or four years now, and it made all the difference in the world. That's great. So, Dr. Lewis, what's the difference between a CPAP and a BiPAP? So, that's a that, yeah, that's a great question, and it's. Uh, and that's changed a little bit, but um, so what happens with CPAP is it can one continuous pressure, and so when people are breathing out or exhaling, a lot of time they have some discomfort with that, and so um, a BiPAP gives you a di- what we call a different IPAP than EPAP, so different inspiratory pressure than I think you're making this stuff up. Pressure. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, if you think back to um, even think about like ventilators and different things that people are on when they're uh, can't breathe for themselves, but. Because it actually does kind of help ventilate the lungs, so it does mm-hmm. a good job at that with a difference in pressures. But it's a lot can be a lot more comfortable for people when they're breathing out. Most of the really new CPAP machines they do give you some relief when breathing out. We can actually add now C-Flex. So where a few years ago we did frequently for people that didn't tolerate CPAP, put them on BiPAP. Now mm-hmm. we're more like now we do that a little bit less for that reason, but. Um, and also some people, if they're having a little bit low oxygen, like at baseline at night, the BiPAP's a little bit more helpful for that because it does ventilate the lungs a little better. And so that could also be a reason you're feeling better during the day so now. So when you say ventilate the lungs, instead of just having air go in so that the kind of the throat stays open, uh-huh. it actually is stronger and gets all the way down to, yeah, to so the, the lungs. Yeah, so the change in pressures give what we call a little peep, a little mm-hmm. pressure just mm-hmm. to fill the lungs with air and help, you know, them them. Uh, move air better and so um, it can actually be better just with the baseline oxygen for that reason. Well Mary I'm glad that um, you've found relief and, and, and found something that works better for you and yeah. you're not incompetent you're not, yeah, yeah. yeah you're thank you're doing great thank you uh-huh. thanks thank, for your call. Yeah thank you staying on the phone lines we're going to move on to Debbie who's calling from Wesson hey Debbie. Hello thank you for answering my call. You bet. I, I would like some clarification please um heard you say that um, derivatives of cannabis were available by prescription. Is that in Mississippi, and if so, under what conditions? Now, I am by, by no means an expert in, in pain management. I do know, I can just say from personal experience, that um, a few years ago my father had stage 4 cancer, and he was prescribed Marinol, which is a derivative of marijuana, you know, Sometimes in people with terminal illnesses and things like that, they're able to get prescriptions under different pretenses than others, and it may be that case. Because I've had a number of family members who have suffered with cancer, uh-huh. who have died from cancer, uh-huh. so I really have an interest in yeah, yeah. whether this is available for people in Mississippi or not, and if so, you know, is that the condition or are there other conditions? Yeah, that's a great question. It would be yeah. a good topic to have a future show on, so I appreciate certainly that. Um, I'll yeah. su- I certainly do some research, but I will tell you that uh, that uh, my father did have a prescription for a drug called Marinol, which mm-hmm. is a, um, a, a, a re- related drug to uh, mm-hmm. the active ingredients in, in marijuana. But th- this was just within the past couple of years, and so I don't know if perhaps um, before then that was not an option, and that's maybe something that it, had come it, into favor it more recently. was not, mm-hmm. because the last person I lost as a family member was in October of 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that might also be the case. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is a great question. It's a great topic to talk about, Debbie, and I appreciate you calling back for, for more clarification. Unfortunately, I'm certainly not an expert in that. Are you, do you have no, any idea, I'm, Dr. Lewis? I'm certainly not, yeah. I was, yeah, we're lucky to deal yeah. with uh, a lot of happy medicine where um, uh-huh. we're not having to deal with um, patients with terminal illnesses. Um, yeah. However, uh, perhaps if I had an oncologist on or a critical care physician, okay. perhaps sure. they would know more about that. Mm-hmm. But All thanks, right. Thanks well, for thank your question. Thank you so much yeah. for the answer. You bet, Debbie. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
All right, staying on the phone line, we're going to go to Teresa, who's calling from Eupora. Hey, Teresa. Hey, Teresa. So I'm- hello, hello. Hey, yeah. Teresa, in Eupora, you're you're from close to where well, Dr. Lewis what, is from. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I know exactly where Eupora mm-hmm. is. It's close to okay. my hometown. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, I've been told that I'm a, a terrible snorer. Um, uh, yeah. And so I'm wondering uh, what the dangers of that is and also what I can do about it, and also does a CPAP require that you sleep on your back? Mm-hmm. And is a CPAP, does it come with the big machine, or what are the what are my options to yeah. keep from snoring? Yeah, these are big, great questions because yeah. it's kind of a mystified mm-hmm. thing if you haven't known someone that's used it or have seen right. one. So yeah. why don't you talk about the mechanics of it? And snoring is kind of a... It's, so it, snoring doesn't always mean you have sleep apnea, and sleep apnea are times at night when you stop breathing, your airway closes. But snoring itself is actually a really um, is an indication that you're actually working harder to breathe and having to to breathe hard enough to vibrate the tissues in your airway. So it's a good sign. So a lot of people who snore do have what's called you know obstructive sleep apnea, and in those cases, you take a sleep study to diagnose that. So Insurance still considers snoring alone without sleep apnea sort of a cosmetic issues, and there are treatments for it. But the main the the main point is to see if you do have obstructive sleep apnea um, and other uh, things associated with that, or feeling tired, or waking up during the night, or having restless sleep, or fatigue, um, sweating during the night. You know, all those things can be associated with obstructive sleep apnea. Um. But first, you would want to get a sleep study. If you do get a sleep study and you do have sleep apnea, the first line treatment has been with um, CPAP. That's considered the the gold standard uh, treatment. And it, you don't have to sleep on your back. So, in fact, I think it's always better if people can sleep on their side. It's better for nighttime um, gastroesophageal reflux. It's better for your sleep apnea. And so you can, with a CPAP, sleep comfortably on your side. And I even have a few patients that somehow still manage to sleep on their stomach. So I'm not sure. I think that would be much harder, but <laughs> but, but certainly can sleep on your side. Um, and they're not big uh, machines now. They're relatively small. And the masks don't have to be so cumbersome either. Um, like the caller who called before that said, you know, my husband's mask was just small nasal pillows. So... Um, you know, it can be very comfortable for a lot of people. And I do frequently hear, I don't, you know, look good in my CPAP. And I'm like, well, you're not wearing it out at night. <laughs> you're only sleeping in it. And I really don't know anybody that looks good when they sleep. So um, does that answer some of your questions? Yes, that's that's very helpful. Good. I appreciate it so much. Oh, you're Thank so you, welcome. Teresa. Thank you for calling. And I hope you get, get, get treated or get checked out by a doctor. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to stay on the lines and take one more call from before our break from Bill, who is driving, so he could be anywhere. Hey, Bill. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I was asking about the So Clean thing, and then I'm going to hang up. Okay. Disinfectant thing. Right. Yeah, I think those are great. Yeah, to put your CPAP machine in. Um, I think there's time saving for a lot of people, and you know, from my understanding of those, that they do a good job cleaning the devices and make it easier for people who, um, you know, don't want to spend more time using the, the vinegar and water and kind of having mm-hmm. to scrub out machines and hoses. So 
I think that's a great idea. I always tell uh, patients because they're always they always ask, you know, can these machines cause sinus infections or can they grow mold? And anything with moisture in it can grow mold if it's not cleaned regularly. So it is important to clean them and change out parts of it. And I think that's a great a great device for cleaning cleaning the machines. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, we're going to take uh, our, our next break. Share your comments and experiences. If you have any questions or anything about sleep, sleep issues, not just sleep apnea, mm-hmm. but restless leg syndrome. Right. I have some yeah. questions about that. Insomnia yeah. and any, any, any type of thing. Uh, call us at one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or email us at women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing healthcare issues from a woman's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today with Dr. Andrea Lewis. From UMMC, she's an otolaryngologist and has expertise in general otolaryngology and sleep medicine. So we're talking about sleep issues. And before we go to our next caller, I wanted Dr. Lewis to speak um, to some of the surgical options um, for for sleep apnea. Um, When is it appropriate to seek out those options? How invasive are they, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I think that's a great... um, a great question because, you know, only 50% of people with obstructive sleep apnea end up using their CPAP and even less than that long term. And so I feel like there's so many untreated patients and obstructive sleep apnea is, you know, it's one of the one, the sleep disorders we talk most about there. There are, just like we're talking about, a lot of other sleep disorders, but it's the one that a large number of people, particularly in Mississippi and um, all around the country, you know, suffer from. Um, and CPAP can, again, can be very difficult to tolerate, but it is, so CPAP is, and medical options are first line gold standard treatments for anything. But when patients can't tolerate, um, these devices, they should seek other options because there are other options available, but it's better than just not using it, right? right because right. of the strain on the heart and other, right. other things. Cause yeah, CPAP is a risk for heart attack, stroke, high blood pressure and plus your quality of life. It, um, decreased uh, enjoyment of life, depression, irritability, um, car wrecks, you know, all those factors are also associated with sleep apnea. And so, yeah, when people go untreated, they, they suffer health-wise and also just in their quality of life. But the good news is there are, are other treatments available, but only for people who don't tolerate CPAP. So not alternative necessarily, but second line. So if you can't tolerate CPAP, you're not able to wear it more than four hours a night, those things would you qualify one of the exciting new options that I've um, been working with is the uh, hypoglossal nerve stimulator. 
Um, That's a big word. It is a big word. So, you know, a lot <laughs> what does of people, that mean? <laughs> a lot of people call it Inspire, which okay. is actually the name of the company, mm-hmm. and is actually a, uh, actually does require a surgery um, where the uh, device is implanted. So it's it's almost like a um, looks a little bit like a pacemaker. The device does that goes um, in the chest. There's also a little need that lead that goes around the nerve to the upper airway muscles. And there's another, um, actually a small incision where a sensor is placed over the ribs. And so it senses when you take a breath and tells the generator to stimulate the upper airway muscles. And so that they don't collapse when you sleep, which is what obstructive sleep apnea is. Um, it's, it's interesting. And like CPAP, it's adjustable. It actually has um, not a ramp time, but a delay time. And coming on, so it gives allows the patients to go to sleep before it starts. And they actually have a remote where they control it. So if they wake up, they can pause it. They can turn it off. They can turn it on. Because it might feel kind of weird, I guess, when you're awake. Yeah, so it would feel kind of weird. But it's funny because people get so used to it that, you know, you could call them and you could realize, like, you're kind of like, what's wrong with your speech? And they've still got it on and it's not bothering them. So it's uh, it doesn't wake them up, and you know, in their sleep. And they definitely get used to it, but if you were awake, it, it mm-hmm. could be uncomfortable. That's very interesting. So it, uh-huh. it's it, it's a somewhat invasive procedure, but, but it um, is, yeah. yeah. So, it, but the recovery is not bad. You know, typically a lot of the surgical procedures, and I do still do some of the other surgical procedures like palate surgeries for people who don't qualify, um, and some of those surgeries even lower CPAP pressure to help them tolerate it. Um, also, have people do combination therapy and um, using oral appliances and things like that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nerve stimulator's been a um you know relatively easy recovery, but it is um a couple hour surgery mm-hmm. for so sure. a- another option for folks. We're gonna go back yeah. to the phone line. Terry is calling us another person on the road. He's hey. down driving on the coast. What a beautiful day to be driving down there, Terry. How are you doing? Yes, ma'am. It is a beautiful day, but I'm driving trucks. I'm at work actually <laughs> oh. uh, but doing great. Thanks for asking Good. What's your question? Well, uh, I've been diagnosed with sleep apnea. I don't. The only sign that I have of it, I think they they did the test and said I stopped breathing several times. So, you know, I have it, but uh, I don't wake up. I don't sleep with my uh, CPAP regular. Mm-hmm. Only when I have to go and you know renew my health card, I have to sleep under it thirty days in order to get you know the benefits of another year of health. But uh, I don't feel like I really need it, you know. That's a great question because you hear that about a lot of issues. People with high blood pressure say they don't take their medicine because they don't feel bad and things like that. Is it similar with (laughs) sleep apnea? Well, it's interesting with sleep apnea. So the people who are motivated to use uh, their CPAP are typically the ones who notice that they feel a lot better when Mm -hmm. they wear it. And not everybody feels like they feel bad. Um, It's kind of like a lot of people don't sleep enough and they think they feel okay. Um, so some people don't get the same time, day, same daytime sleepiness and, and, you know, you can't perceive the health effects on a day to day basis. Um, but most people typically do, you know, do still need it and do benefit from it. Even if you don't realize it increases your lifespan. There are also people with, you know, somewhat mild, uh, sleep apnea that certainly don't perceive the effects. And, and probably from what we've seen in studies, it may not have the same health, um, you know, outcomes as people with more moderate to severe uh, sleep apnea. But but I would suggest, Terry, that if the doctor said you need it, that whether you feel like you do or not, that you're getting benefit. And 
safer on the roads and and you're you're yeah, over, yeah. as a truck driver right. stay awake Terry. Right. Come on. <laughs> and that you're overall yes, you. uh-huh. yes ma'am uh, i have this in the back of my throat my palate is extremely large and i was wondering i think that's what obstructed a lot of my uh air uh-huh uh you think maybe uh surgery could help that and and that'll dissipate the sleep apnea? Well, it certainly helps a lot of people. It would definitely be something we could evaluate and, and look at. Um, a lot of other factors come into play with that, too. Your The rest of your anatomy, how bad your sleep apnea is, and things like that. Um, but it's certainly something that we could, you know, evaluate you or that you could be evaluated for. Okay. Yeah. Well, I might go back to my doctor because I've got to sleep under it. It's coming, uh-huh. it's coming time for my... Uh, for my, you know, for my, uh, what am I trying to say? For them to evaluate me. Right. Again, so. But you know, Terry, like Dr. Lewis was saying, just because you don't perceive a, a benefit, it is probably helping you overall with your lifespan, your right. heart health. So you're going to live longer. You should wear it, even if it doesn't make you feel right. like a million bucks. <laughs> well, you just exactly. convinced me to, you know, try it again. Yes, Good. please do. Good. <laughs> Stay on it, Terry. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks for your call. Thanks. I like Terry's laugh. Moving, yeah. moving on now to Donald, who's calling us from New Albany. Hey, Donald. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I wanted to uh, share a little information that I have recently come across. I'm a polio survivor, and it's very common among polio survivors to develop sleep apnea. It is, yeah. Because of, because of weakness in the chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have to. Uh, have to use any kind of a device. I'm probably borderline for sleep apnea, but I've found that it helps me just to use another pillow under my head to elevate my head a little bit. Um, But what I've found is that most polio survivors don't do well with CPAP, that they need the BiPAP because of the chest weakness. It's not necessarily a lung function problem. It's just the muscle weakness, so they need that additional help. That's right. That's a great comment. I know we talked a little bit about that with BiPAP earlier, and there's even some other more complicated devices similar to BiPAP that even offer you know more support and patients with um, neuromuscular problems um, benefit. It's even shown that um, for some patients with progressive neuromuscular disorders, that resting those muscles at night with devices um, more like BiPAP and some we have some other machines, like I said, that are that are even a little bit more advanced than the BiPAP uh, can certainly be beneficial for um, overall chest function and muscle function during the daytime um, and certainly improves ventilation and oxygenation and at night. So that's a, that's a great, um, a, a great comment. Are you using BiPAP now? No, I'm not. I'm, yeah. You're I'm not, not needing. Right. Um, and you mentioned the, uh, Yeah. Excuse me. My late wife was also a polio survivor, and she definitely had sleep apnea, and she yeah. used a CPAP for uh, the last couple of years uh-huh. of her life. And uh, I slept alongside her, and uh, I hope a BiPAP is uh, less invasive noise-wise. The, the constant cycling uh, of the CPAP disturbed my sleep. Well, uh, although she she seemed to be able to tolerate it, I think they've gotten a, you know a little quieter too for most most people. And you mentioned uh, elevating your head; it is good to elevate your upper body. Also improves sleep apnea and does improve um, just being able to move your chest at night and move air. 
um, for people it, with it a lot of different... my snoring. My snoring reduced considerably by doing that. Yeah, it's definitely very helpful. Yeah, my partners appreciate it, too. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, thank you for calling, Donald. Yeah, I mean, we... I guess I, I wasn't really thinking about yeah. people with neuromuscular issues and how mm-hmm. that would affect people at night. And Donald, it, it speaks yeah. to the uh, po- positive uh, aspects of vaccination, right? Right, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, That's very true. Yeah. So we're going to take our last break of the hour. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at women at mpbonline.org. We're talking all about sleep today. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is Dr. Allie Brown. I'm a surgical pathologist. I'm here today with Dr. Andrea Lewis, who is an ear, nose, and throat doctor from UMMC. And one of her practices is that she specializes in sleep medicine. So we are talking today mostly about sleep apnea. It shows, goes right, to show yeah. how common it is. But right, if you yeah. have, there are lots of other sleep disorders. If you have any questions or comments, call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email to women at mpbonline.org. And we already have the, this has been a a lot of calls today. It's a very popular uh, subject. We're going to go straight to the phone lines. We have a mystery caller. Oh, wait, first we're going to go to line two, which is Shirley calling from Starkville. I'm looking at the wrong line. Shirley, hey. Hi, thank you for your program. Thank you. Uh, And uh, this is for the older laryngologist. I think I read uh, somewhere that... Um, that some are now uh, suggesting that people not get a palpation um, for uh, possible uh, thyroid problems or thyroid cancer. Palpation, like an examination with the hands? Right. Well, I, I I think it's still good to get, um, you know, to always have a, a physical exam. Um, certainly thyroid nodules can be hard to feel. Um, and that's what you're, you know, looking for with that, which doesn't necessarily co- correlate with um, thyroid hormone abnormalities. But um, certainly, a physical exam still an important part, and still the first line thing to do. Uh, ultrasound certainly is more um, gives a better exam, but it's definitely not a first line um, examination procedure. Okay. Well, uh, I'm a member of the of Thycar, which is the uh, Thyroid Cancer Foundation. Mm-hmm. Because I, I am a survivor of thyroid, yeah. and thyroid cancer, and 
um, uh, the foundation uh, mentioned that there is a study uh, concerning the non-necessity of palpation. And I just want to say that I hope that, uh, you know, all physicians continue to use palpation because that's yeah. how my thyroid uh, cancer was discovered. Right. Uh, and uh, I uh, have had some uh, very good care uh, yeah. in the interim from my endocrinologist, uh, you know, right. following my surgery. And, um, and at that time, also, um, I had um, ablation. Um, and I want to know if that, uh, if, if ablation is still the follow-up uh, procedure that is used after um, surgery. It is, yes. And, um, I'm, and I'm glad you, I, I still, I think the physical exam part of things gets kind of lost in the shuffle. But if a patient's in the office, they always need a good, a good physical exam. But yes, the ablation is still, but it's still the uh, standard for a lot of thyroid uh, cancers following surgery. Okay, well, thank you for your call, Shirley. We're going to move on to Gail, who's calling from Biloxi. Hey, Gail. Hi. Um, I would just had a comment on sleep apnea. I uh, used yeah. to have sleep apnea. And um, I had a CPAP, and that motivated me to lose a bunch of weight. And when I did, I no longer had sleep apnea. Wonderful, Gail. That's that. Yeah, and weight definitely, and even losing you know ten percent of body weight can make a big difference in sleep apnea. Certainly, but I do get this question a lot, so I'll just mention this: weight frequently helps, but then people have sleep apnea too. So don't. Um, a lot of people say, "I would think I didn't have it because I was thin," but Certainly weight plays can play a big role also. So that's wonderful, Gail. Congratulations, Gail. That's great. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Staying on the phone lines, we're going to go to Russell, who's calling from Meridian. Hey, Russell. Hey. Uh, I just want to say uh, to everybody that Ambium is a very, very strong, highly addictive medicine. And I would advise everybody you stay away from Ambium at all costs. You do whatever else they can do besides Ambium. And uh, there are devices that can be used if you don't have dentures, that uh, mouthpieces, that certain limited number of dentists uh, do. I think only one in Alabama, I know, that does. Uh, do devices to help sleep apnea mouthpieces. Now, that wouldn't bother me, but I tried the CPAP, and then I used Amium for about 30 days with the CPAP was working fine until one afternoon about uh, 5 or 6 o'clock, I started feeling like I was having a heart attack. And I know now, and looking back, that it was my body was needing Amium hit. And so Amium <laughs> It has to be used sometimes, but boy, I mean, this, it is a highly addictive deal. And uh, uh, I would advise a lot of people uh, to look at this from a naturopathic approach. I haven't really heard his full uh, uh, lectures on this subject of uh, CPAP machines and sleep apnea, but a doctor that I highly respect. Is Doctor Joel Wallach. That's W A L L A C H. Just Google him up, and he's got 
conversations on just about everything. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I heard him in his opinion that the CPAP machines are overhyped. And he says even animals stop breathing at might sometimes. So he, uh, I didn't really get the full lecture. Okay. Well, gonna, Russell, I'm going to stop you there yeah. and let Dr. Lewis comment because we're, yeah. we're running low on we time are. and we do also have another caller on the line. So, um, yeah. boy, so much to well, unpack there. Okay. Right. Well, those are all good points. The, um, the Ambien certainly can be addictive for a lot of people. And I think I mentioned before, it's a, it's really just an okay drug to be used for people every now and then. It's not, it's not a really great drug to use nightly. Um, the other thing I'd mentioned about what you said uh, about having apnea during the night. So you actually have to have, more than five events per hour or five or more to be considered to have obstructive sleep apnea. So everybody, or not everybody, but it is actually considered normal to have a certain number of events. And I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, that in the mild range, we don't see the same health outcomes that we do see people with you know more severe sleep apnea. But, but we certainly do know that with people with more severe sleep apnea that their lifespan is shortened and that... They're certainly at risk for a lot of health problems. And it that puts a strain on the heart, having right. to pump against that increased pressure within the chest. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your comments, Russell. All right. Well, I'm sorry, Lacey. We didn't have enough time to get to your call today. But if you want to hang on the line, if you have a question, you know, we can try to take that after the show. But Dr. Lewis, any parting words? I think yeah. we've had a lot of great pearls today. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. And I, I think it's just important to, um, if you notice, if you're having... Um, signs and symptoms, if you're snoring, if you're tired during the day, um, to certainly think about uh, seeing a doctor. And I think Allie mentioned earlier, too, uh, a lot of people just aren't getting enough sleep, and they they perceive that that's an okay thing. So really look at your sleep habits, too. Yeah, we, it's not, we're not yeah. evolving to where we need less sleep. Right. That's not no. happening. <laughs> no, exactly. There exactly. are long-term effects. Well, thank you so uh-huh. much for coming today. Thanks it's for been having a, It's me. been very informational. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is out this week. We'll see her next week. But here with Dr. Andrea Lewis, we want to thank you for joining us. And join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. MPB's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.